Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Presslaff. I'm Ireland Meacham. I'm Melanie Davis. And I'm Justin Robertson. So um, I'm happy to be back with my crew. Um, I missed yeah, one show. We missed you. <laughs> yeah, Let's I'm still not back, you. Frankie. You're still not me? I'm still not I you. I thought you said people mistake <laughs> you for me all the time. All the time. It's the bear. <laughs> it's the bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks good. <laughs> Thanks. You wear well. <laughs> you <Yeah>. wear well. <laughs> <laughs> On my head. <laughs> right. You got a little in your lipstick right yeah, there. Yeah, sorry. Just, okay, no, no. there you go. <laughs> so how's everybody doing? <laughs> Good. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Ireland. Yeah. Yes. Just, uh, trying to catch up with schoolwork already. That's what. That's your like theme. You're always yeah. talking about school. Always. School Are you a student? It's like eighty <laughs> percent of my brain at all times. So. Well, that's good. Your mommy and daddy <laughs> will be proud of you. You hear that? If you're out listening, Ireland is doing her homework. That's <laughs> 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 so good for you. Hear you. that, mom? <laughs> daddy Frankie <laughs> says she's doing her homework. <laughs> um, and you're doing great besides the beard. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. That's, yeah. I'm talking. It's all Melanie. scratchy and stuff. Not happy with that. But no, I. Uh, I was asked to be a part of someone's uh, birthing team, and oh wow! And they gave birth, and there's a new child in the world, Aww. and and he's wonderful. And what time yeah. did this all happen? Uh, two days ago, and uh, today they went home. That's exciting! That's so that's right. the second baby I've heard about since the show. As yes. More. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And both. The I think you didn't, weren't able to come to one show, right? Because right. You were. Yeah. Like there's you, so you there's know where she was. My uh, <laughs> what. <laughs> just listen for the crying, you know. Right. Uh, but no, this is a, some best my best friends who uh, were here in Bloomington when I got here. Uh, both of their kids were having kids uh, within what three months of each other. So that was yeah. It's really special. There's what all kinds of love and yeah. There's a lot of yeah. it's and dirty words and dirty words. Yeah, yeah. So. That's the, the one thing I remember when I was help coaching some friends. I mean. <laughs> The dirty words. Yeah, not not me. I was I was all smiles and yeah, stuff, but it, <laughs> you, were, I, it, you, you were, know you weren't cussing at it. It looked agonizing. Yeah. So no, no. I would I could never have a baby. No, no, that uh, I no. pass that. I'll show you the video. No, actually, I could see the video, but I just don't want to. Yeah, I'm happy not <laughs> having babies. <laughs> and Justin. Yes. Hi, Frankie. Welcome hi. back. Thank you. So what's up? What's going on? Anything new? Yeah. Uh, no. Nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> your rocking chair, did you get back. the oil down? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> 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 well, good. I was worried about that. I was passing you, and I could hear it squeaking. I was like, it's time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, anyways. So, what, what have you been up to? Why, why was so I here I, last week? I was uh, doing a nonprofit. Cool. And, uh, you know, so I was you know, busy getting that off and can't really talk about it now, but uh, stay tuned. It's out there. There's exciting stuff. It's coming. exciting. Yes. So 
Um, thank you for asking. Yeah. But I had I had a good a good last Thursday. Everybody was asking me why were you there? <laughs> so that you know I, just <laughs> I know. Thought I'd pass along. There you go. Well thank you. <laughs> so what's going on in the news world? Oh, there is a whole lot going on in the news world. But we'll start here. Okay. <laughs> the Supreme Court uh, is allowing Trump's ban on trans military members to go into effect. The United States Supreme Court has ruled that President Donald Trump's arbitrary ban on transgender, transgender people from the military may go into effect despite multiple lower court rulings against it. The decision would have an immediate impact on the thousands of transgender people currently serving their country. The justices split on the decision with the four liberal justice, justices voting against lifting the ban. Uh, Trump tweeted his decision to discriminate against trans service members unexpectedly in July 2017, catching military leadership and activists off guard. Trump posted a number of far-right evangelical activists shortly before announcing his surprise decision. There are currently four lawsuits against Trump's transgender military ban, and plaintiffs successfully asked for injunctions against the implementing Trump's transgender military ban at the, in those cases. Earlier this month, though, a court of appeals overturned the injunction issued in Doe v. Trump, a case that originated in D.C. Today, the Supreme Court refused the Trump administration's request to review the lower court's preliminary rulings, but it issued a stay on the other injunctions. This means that the trans-military ban can, go, can be implemented as the cases work their way through the federal court system. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, Stephen Beyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan dissented in the decision. The White House's argument was that the injunctions were bad for democracy and were part of a growing trend of lower courts issuing nationwide injunctions while challenges to Trump's administration, while challenging uh, Trump's administration policies. It is with great reluctance that we seek such emergency relief in this court, Solicitor General Noel Francisco wrote. Lawyers for the transgender service members told the court that the current policy is one of open service, and the lack of evidence that the ban will accomplish anything positive means that it should not take immediate effect. Transgender people have been serving openly in all branches of the United States military service since June 2016, including on active duty in combat zones, they wrote in the brief. Transgender individuals have been permitted to enlist in the military since January 2018. There we are. Wow. Yeah. So what are our thoughts? I mean, I know our thoughts, but let's hear them anyways. Uh, I, we're going to be discussing this later. So yeah, well, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm I, um, furious on one hand, and then the other hand, I'm like, you know, personally, right. uh, not speaking as somebody who is going into the military or has been in the military, I'm wondering... Uh, how <laughs> uh, how it would feel to serve under somebody who disrespects you so much, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, and I know you're serving your country, and it's not it's about service to the country. Um, but there's so much negativity coming out against trans LGBT folk in general. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, what it's like to live through that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was talking to my uh, boyfriend about this. He is um, he identifies as uh, tr um, masculine presenting non-binary, but was born female. And he was actually going to go. He was in officer training for the Marine Corps at one point, and um, he was just saying that he felt so disrespected. And he, you know, like all these people who have put their whole lives into this, and 
you know, every resource that they have and, and, you know, time and energy and, you know, some people are getting pulled aside at boot camp and told, you know what, you have to go home, even if it's their last week at boot camp and they're almost done with their training or whatever, or no matter like how many, how much um, service they've already completed, like they're just saying like, you know what, forget about it. You're not fit for this job because of your gender identity, which is ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. And that's what boggles my mind. And I think a lot of our minds is there is no reason for this. Mm -hmm. How does being transgender affect your job in the military? Mm -hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. There's been study or there's been, you know, research that shows like there's no effect on your ability to perform in combat situations or anything like that. Like, there's well, no evidence for this other than that right. he just wants to discriminate. Well, you, you have know? a president that really right. doesn't care about his, and I wholeheartedly believe this about the American people, um, you know, and the military mm-hmm. in, that, in that sense. Um, you know, the, the, the awful things he said about just service members, one, yeah. you know, um, and, and those and gold star parents. The gold I mean, star. I mean it I just, mean, yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand I don't how people on the other, on his side, whoops. Sorry, guys. I, supposed to be off, Frankie. I know. I yelled at everybody about that. It's my fault. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Um, but, yeah, he, you know, it's just – and then they vote for someone and, you know, that has absolutely no respect for the military. Right. And he's proving it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you just look at what's going on with the Coast Guard, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. with the, the not being paid because of the government shutdown and no, no response from the government. And then, right. of course, what's going on with the transgender un- uh, military mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, who – Trump feels like he can make these decisions for people, even though he's he has no connection to it. He's never served. He's never he literally right. he was, was not in Vietnam. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, made up all these excuses so that he didn't have to serve. And, you know, none of his family will ever have to serve. His kids will never have to serve. Um, but then he's deciding this for people who even want to serve and like, right. you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah, it doesn't. So stay tuned. We're going to be talking more about this at the bottom of the hour. So um, we do have some good news going Mm -hmm. on up in South Bend. Yes. Um, Gay Mayor Pete Buttigieg just launched his uh, 2020 presidential campaign in an email. He said that he's forming an exploratory committee for a 2020 presidential run. An exploratory committee is registered with the Federal Election Commission as a political campaign. He said that his campaign would focus on intergenerational justice. Quote, my generation is the generation that experienced school shootings beginning when I was in high school, the generation that fought in the post 9-11 wars, the first generation to have to deal with the reality of climate change, and the first generation not to be better off than our parents materially, if nothing changes, he wrote in in his announcement. Buttigieg is 37 years old, making him one of the youngest candidates to enter the race, tied with Representative Tulsi Gabbard, who is also 37. He may be the first candidate to enter the race that hasn't had to apologize for something in their past. Buttigieg, who is a Rhodes Scholar, is married to his husband, Chastin. The LGBTQ Victory Fund hailed his campaign announcement. Quote, for the teenager in small town America who is just coming to terms with their sexual orientation or gender identity, having an openly LGBTQ person running for the most important political office in the world will demonstrate there is no limit to what they can achieve, and that is transformative. Buttigieg joins several other candidates in, this Demo- in the Democratic primary. Senator Kamala Harris of California, Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, Massachusetts, Senator uh, Kirsten Gillibrand of New York, Representative Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii, 
uh, former Representative John Delaney of Maryland, former Housing and Urban Development Secretary Julian Castro, former West Virginia State Senator Richard Ojeda, and tech entrepreneur Andrew Yang have already announced their campaigns, and more Democrats are expected to announce in the coming weeks. Oh, so that's some good. That's yeah, that's that some good. good. I had an opportunity to meet him, you know, as I was telling you guys about, mm-hmm. I don't know, six years ago. Um, and I, when I met him, I'm like, yeah, he's going to run for president. <laughs> I mean, he just has that energy. He's kind of like a, you know, JFK. Yeah. He's good looking. He's likable. He's you know has passion. Um, just, oh, just amazing qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they, they said it's a, a long shot that he will, you know, go too far within this. But I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't want to write him off yet. Um, but, right. you know, w- here we are on the flip side of the stories. We have this awful issue with the Supreme Court and transgender, you know, people. And then on the other flip side, we have, you know, individuals running for the president, gay people running, right. a, a gay gentleman, I should say, running for the president of the United States. Right. Um, and, it, you know, it's it's that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and also four women candidates on mm-hmm. the Democratic mm-hmm. side. So there's some amazing stuff happening out there that we need to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um, He's the first gay... Candidate. Just candidate in, in U.S. history. Yes, mm-hmm. so that's that's amazing. According to Wes. That was our news flash. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, I mean, you know, this is something that we, we need to cheer, um, you yeah. know, and support regardless. Yeah, I oh, think yeah. that, um, I mean, all the, the negative things that are happening um, just really kick people into gear and they make them want to, like, do something about it. Right. Which is why all these people are running that probably never would have thought of running before you know yeah and and they're winning you know right. that's right. Mm-hmm. you know that's the, the the cool side you see it locally happening here within our election with you know what would happen with uh the the justice you know all the all, the, all female justice you know you know um uh in bloomington and then mm-hmm. um you know just it's we they just swept the board in so many different ways so mm-hmm. we got to just kept cheering them up and that's what i hold on to when i read this awful news and it feels like we're being kicked and slapped and punched and and tormented and tortured (laughs) same as it ever was Uh, yeah (laughs) but worse because it always seemed like there was i don't know it just it just because the nation feels so much even more divided Mm -hmm. than it felt when you know when bush was even in in office i don't know i think i think that this division is more pronounced because it's stretching farther apart Right. You have this old guard who's just clinging on to this, you know, these ancient biases. And then you have the actual majority of the country, which is moving ahead. Right. And so that that great divide is really noticeable. But, you know, the the majority of the country and the way it's going is towards the positive. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I never want to say wait it out. But right. um uh, because, you know, the younger generation, there are some who are being taught uh, horrible, biased things. But I see a lot of hope for the future. Right. And I think the thing is that our, we had the younger generation being taught horrible things, but people didn't dare say it out mm-hmm. loud. Right. So I guess in some ways, 
of again of like kind of looking at the glass half full being not not a not that this is a good thing that people feel comfortable you know being bigots but in the sense that people can you know come back and and start a conversation um a, and, and talk about it um yeah. and so it's kind of like you know a, a boil that's getting ready to burst mm-hmm. you know it's gonna happen um <laughs> so there's a, a pretty sight for everybody yeah uh, visual. <laughs> <laughs> shut your eyes and um, no depend on you frankie <laughs> that's right <laughs> but <laughs> the boils of the world <laughs> well that's what it feels like um so right. there's, your, there's your vision <laughs> frankie's world um but uh, <laughs> but anyways yeah it's uh so for good for that and, and, and that's exciting mm-hmm. you know and I am exciting to see what, what happens and, and who else kind of not kind of but who else is going to throw out the towel and say hey I, I want to be part of this as well doors are wide open now yeah. you know it's not just straight white men no and how wonderful yeah so, so we have options out here so I think what we're going to do at uh, we're, uh, 6, 17 we're going to go ahead and take a music break and then we'll be back with more news <laughs>
You are listening with um, to Trip with La 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 Lu. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, low La. La. I like my pronunciation better. Yeah, I pronounce everything correct. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh at me. No, I, we're laughing, laughing with you, with you Freddie. <laughs> but anyways, um, I like that Never. song. Good no, job, Lucas. I give you four stars. Out of five. That was lovely, Lucas. That Thank was. You. And he was dancing. We got to, I, I got to watch him dance. <laughs> you guys didn't. You missed it. Um, anyways, let's get back to the news. Justin, what do you have? Yes. Well, um, <laughs> picture this. There's an Elvis impersonator turned state legislator who's filed an anti-transgender bill in Indiana. Uh, Indiana Representative Bruce Borders, Republican, just introduced a bill that requires students at public and charter schools to use the restrooms associated with their quote-unquote biological sex. The bill specifies that biological sex is quote, determined by an individual's chromosomes and identified at birth by the individual's anatomy, unquote. The bill would also ban transgender students from participating in athletics, athletic programs for their gender. Uh, instead forcing trans boys to play on girls' teams and trans girls to play on boys' teams. In 2017, he introduced a bill that would have banned transgender people from updating the gender marker on their birth certificates. But it was blocked by fellow Republicans a day later. Borges justified that uh, 2017 bill with this quote, I just respect accuracy in all legal <clears throat> records, unquote. That bill, though, was more extreme than his current one. But two years of Donald Trump mainstreaming attacks on transgender people may have made such legislation more acceptable to Republicans. Mm -hmm. I certainly hope not. He authors a lot of bills every year, and his colleagues don't really advance very many of those bills, thankfully, um, because he has put things through like this before. He also has another bill, um, 1481, uh, that sounds an awful lot like the Russian uh, um, anti-propaganda bill for LGBT folk. And it says, uh, if I can read the paragraph mm -hmm. for it, <clears throat> information or performance harmful to minors provide, uh, uh, provides that college, university, or museum, or its employees acting within the scope of the employee's employment may uh, raise a defense to a prosecution for the crime of dissemination of matter or c conducting a performance harmful to minors, uh, prohibits any school or public library that qualifies for certain property tax exemptions to raise a defense to prosecution for the crime of dissemination of matter or conducting a performance harmful to minors, provides that the victim has a civil cause of action against the person convicted of the crime, of the crime or uh, dissemination of matter. So there's no definition of what is harmful to a minor. And the wording mm -hmm. of this sounds suspiciously like it's meant to directly attack uh, Drag Queen a Story Hour. And mm -hmm. um, since that's a pet of the, uh, the right right, right now. Right. So you know this is another one of those bills that we hope doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't really look like it might go anywhere. but So this is one he's just introduced this as well. This is one he's just introduced as well. Yeah, and I don't know if they. This is the one they want to, you know. No, that that the mountain they want to die on at this point. I don't think so. So it's just a point that uh, you know he did it and put it out there, um, you know. But these are things to look for, right. you know, uh, kind of buried in 
buried away in the legislation. Yeah, I mean, it didn't get much press. Um, mm-hmm. It's something I kind of dug up, and you know, it's like, wow, I didn't know that was even out there. So, mm-hmm. but it's uh, um, in almost every state. These right. are little ones being passed around, and of course, right. Momentum. The point is to not to give them momentum. Right. 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 Yeah, and I, I was talking. I met this individual <laughs> some years <laughs> ago. And um, I had a opportunity. He took me to his closet, <laughs> and I, I saw and what his, happened. There? I saw all his rhinestones. You Ooh. saw all his rhinestones. All his rhinestones. All his. So rocks. He was quite the character, I have to say. He was a, yeah. a mayor of uh, Jefferson. Jefferson. No, it, Jefferson. Jasonville. Jasonville. Yeah. Thank you. Jason. Jasonville. Um, so he's yeah. He's definitely uh, an interesting and representative of the, of the 45th district. Yeah, go which look at uh, them. Like includes Green County. Yeah. So very close by. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We touch. So you do? Uh, well, <laughs> you, yeah. Frankie. Our counties touch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we don't touch. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about it. Um, <laughs> no, we, we don't touch. Um, so anyways, Melanie, who is our guest? Oh, we have a friend of mine, and I'm very happy she she uh, accepted to come on. Um her name is L.B. Lieb. She's a transgender woman who joined the United States Army at the age of 41, served as a male from 2010 to 2014, uh, active duty prior to her transition, living her life as female. She was in the Army's individual ready reserves for four more years, during which she came out as transgender and began her transition in 2015. She is a resident of Bloomington, a founding member of Bloomington Pride's Transgender and Allies Support Community, or TASC, TASC is a task is a peer-led support group that meets weekly in Bloomington, Indiana, open to all trans, non-binary folks, as well as significant others, friends, families, and allies. And also, I'd like to add, she's uh, um, with me in uh, the INTEEP uh, project of ACL, the ACLU of Indiana, which is a transgender um, uh, education and advocacy program. So thank you and welcome to the show. Thanks. Hi. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, welcome. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming, coming LB. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> what do you think of this? You were you were quiet earlier. So. Uh, well, yeah, because I I um I didn't want to weigh in at that point in time. But um, I think the biggest thing for me is, and, and one of my biggest concerns when I when I heard the latest news as far as the uh, what the Supreme Court had decided, um to um to um suspend the injunctions or whatever there is still one injunction in force if i believe in maryland but um the feeling that i had was it left it it, it sort of gave the signal that we were somehow um second class citizens or we weren't quite the same as other citizens in the united states um and that really scared me um a, largely in part because I'm one of those that actually reads the comments, and um, mm-hmm. I know, especially if you get on military um, sp- on Facebook or something like that, where there's like a military um, Facebook page talking about you know Marine Corps or whatever, there's a lot of animosity towards us, and I felt like it just signaled to those people like, yeah, you're right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that was yeah. really that to me that was the, the one of the sort of the scariest aspect mm-hmm. of it, and also too, it's just that continuation like. Um, was said earlier when the tweets first went out i felt um i felt like a, it was a slap in the face you know of somebody especially somebody who hadn't even served um and it just made me feel like you know like my service 
and what I had signed up for, you know, because we, we, we have a saying like, you know, you signed your name on a blank check. And, you know, that check is your life. And um, that we had somebody saying like, well, yeah, but you don't really matter. And that doesn't really matter. And I have a lot of friends that are serving too. I have friends that are deployed that are trans, transgender. Um, you know, we're out there actually doing the job. We're in, there's no job that's been restricted to us in the military. Um, we're uh, deployed in all the different areas that the United States likes to be in, um, for better or for worse. Um, so we're doing the job. And so there's really no evidence scientific evidence or you know especially after they've done the study to, to to signify why would you do this the only thing i can come up with and we can focus on the president um but he's not alone in this he's getting messaging from other um right-wing uh evangelistic evangelistic groups um and that's where that's coming from is my understanding so um yeah it's just kind of it's just kind of upsetting it's kind of depressing in a way i mean but the other side of it is is that you know we are out there other trans um other trans veterans and stuff are, are fighting this um are writing about it um there's several court cases ongoing or whatever in, in states or whatever um so you know it's not a done deal um and the way i understand it is that um, the dod department of defense on wednesday said that they were going to continue even though this ban was sort of the injunction on the ban was sort of lifted, they were going to continue with the policy that they had. So, no, um, my understanding is nobody's going to be separated from the military, which means removed or however. There's a process to it, so people can't just get pulled out. You know, they have to. There's still a process, even if you're not supposed to be there. Some, you know, if you you come out, you're not just completely removed. So there's a process that they have to follow. So, the way I understand it, right now, kind of nothing. Everything's kind of on hold. So. Anyhow, those are kind of my thoughts. Hopefully, that made sense. So, well, and, and how many how many uh, service members does this potentially affect then? Um, so, my understanding was the Department of Defense said that there's 900 service members that are um, serving as transgender service members. Um, that doesn't mean that there's not more service members who are serving currently who may not be out. Mm -hmm. um, Part of, so like I said, with the military, everything's a process. There's, you know, the, everything has a sort of a rule and a guidance or whatever. So when you are in the military and when the, um, the, when President Obama had lifted the ban and they were developing the policy, um, what happened was ser service members didn't just come out. They would have to follow sort of a process. So, so what this means is that there's 900 service members that are following that process that have cleared with command that are on medical and are medical care of a doctor um, and all of the things that they need to do. So there's a process to that. So that's kind of what that means. So, but there is probably more is what, what I've heard up to like, um, I think I've heard like up to 1500, even more 2000 or so service members. So yeah. we're not a huge, huge amount, but it's a significant amount in the, in the military. So, right. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I know you were talking about before kind of your process and can I bring some of that up what you said it yeah. wasn't okay <clears throat> and you you said that you had been treated really well uh for the most part and uh by your uh by the officers when you came out well as a um uh <laughs> a non-active duty but on reserves 
uh, that people were really respectful when people would come out to you. They they were. Um, yeah. So um, so so in general, kind of what happens is when you sign up, generally you do like four years. You can do more as active duty, and then you would do four years inactive ready reserve. So which means that. Um, in the event of a war or something, you could be called up. Or if they need your specific um, military occupational specialty, which is a job you do in the military. So um, so I was in that for four years, and I just um, finished that um, Labor Day of last year. And, um, but yeah, in general, um, I had a, a fairly good experience. Um, I'm not always, when you're in active ready reserves, it's kind of like you're not really seeing other um soldiers and stuff on a daily basis or anything like that but any any uh, interaction i had with uh, any ncos um, non-commissioned officers such as like staff sergeants and things who are sort of responsible for keeping in touch with me while i was in the individual already reserves um they were all very respectful um and everyone of course i received medical care at the va um and everyone there was very respectful so um the it, the um the policy was having an effect you know when they let um trans member, transgender members op- serve openly um even though there was a lot of people who kind of disagreed with it who had been prior service or who were con- um currently serving um in general it seemed like people were very accepting most often because those people that came out as transgender and then were proceeding with their transition had been serving for quite a period of time. Um, they may have had several deployments under their belt. And so those people had earned the respect of the people that they were serving with. So even when they came out as transgender, the other service members knew who they were and they respected them. So that I think that made a huge difference. And um, <clears throat> uh, do you know about uh, heard any stories from people about reenlisting or are they holding off to see what is going on um, or even enlisting in the first place? I haven't heard any stories currently of anybody like enlisting enlisting right now. Um, this um, topic had come up in an earlier conversation about um, re-enlistment. And um, in general, what that means is that somebody is currently serving, and so they're approaching their re-enlistment window which is a period of time in their contract when if they can either decide to not join the army again or they can join so what they would do when they re-enlist they would you know um there would be a ceremony or but they would still be serving so there's a continuation of their service so um and actually i did have a friend um she's currently deployed in afghanistan and um she had um, re-enlisted, um, I think, a couple months ago. So, and I think she's a staff sergeant. So she's been in for a while. Um, and staff sergeants, you know, um, usually in charge of a platoon. So um, that's a significant, a significant rank. And um, so yeah, so it's so people are continuing on with their um, with their service. Um, you have to understand too, like a lot of people are in the army for or in the military for like as a career. Okay. So. Um, they want to, you know, they want to go until they retire. So, um, but that's kind of up in the air. We'll see what happens with, with this ban or whatever. Um, but like I said, the DOD is currently kind of holding formation on it, not really moving forward with anything. 
So that's good. Um, we're going to take a music break for right now, and Lucas is going to catch us up on some community minutes, and then we'll be right back with more. for our LGBTQ events we have um, January 27th from 5 to 7 p.m. the LGBT Aging and Caring Network Pitch and Meal and that's at Bloomington City Hall Um, then on February 1st we have the IU Alumni LGBTQ plus group reception at IMU Tutor Room Um, that's February 1st at 4.30 p.m. this is the reception for Bloomington Pride Film Festival you're currently listening to the song Missing Something off of the album of the same name by The Bright Light Social Hour. Welcome out back to uh, Blooming Out. <laughs> You've been listening to music from the Bright Light Social Hour, and that track was called Missing. Uh, we are back with LB Lieb. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. Thank you. <laughs> so I'd like to talk about um, some misconceptions and some uh, uh, bad information that's going around. We'll start with the, you know, the, the, What's the size of the gorilla in the room? That one. That one. <laughs> <laughs> it, maybe it's been on a diet. I don't know. But uh, so gender confirmation surgery, uh, you know, should the military be paying for it? Is there what, – what are the numbers? What uh, is the impact that that would have? Healthcare in general – Deployment that's, in healthcare. Right. Okay. And that's what we hear a lot within, you know, when people give the argument about why transgender people shouldn't be in the military because mm-hmm. it's costing the military. Why should the American tax 
taxpayers have to pay for you know the sex reassignment. That seems to be the only argument that we hear. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the argument. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So I have. I'll actually kind of have some numbers here. Um. So the upper estimate of the annual transgender transgender care is a thousand a thousandth of one percent of the Defense Department's annual budget. Total military spending on erectile dysfunction medicine amounts to $84 million annually, according to an analysis. <laughs> Ten times the cost of annual transition-related medical care for active-duty transgender service members. So, and that kind of puts things in perspective, <laughs> I think. That does. Uh, you know, um, especially as... But, but the other side of it, though, too, I mean, to speak fairly... Um, for a service member not to to have erectile dysfunction has a huge impact psychologically and emotionally and in your relationships, much like being transgender does. It right. has an impact, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, can somebody with erectile dysfunction continue to do their job? Yeah, they can. Can they still be in the military? Yeah, yes. can they still be in the military? Yes. But it's going to have an impact on them at some mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't go get a little blue pill, you know. And they're doing it because they have a family, you know, and it's kind of what we consider part of it. And that's the same thing with trans people. Mm-hmm. So, and another thing that kind of um, comes up too is the, is the gender confirmation surgery or gender affirmation surgery, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, you know, like, well, you know, well, we should have to pay for sex changes and stuff. But the thing of it is, is when you join the military, you sign a contract and there's an agreement. And part of that agreement is that you'll receive medical care. Mm-hmm. Um, and... When you have a diagnosis of gender dysphoria or gender identity disorder, well, actually, it's gender dysphoria now. Um, when you receive that diagnosis, that's a medical diagnosis, and that means that there's a certain procedure for care. So you're not necessarily just receiving a sex change. What you're receiving is proper care. So if somebody else had um, alcoholism might be an issue in the military or something like substance abuse. So you say, well, yeah, well, we're not going to treat for that. But you're in the military. So if you seek help for that, they have to provide that to you. They can't decide which things are medically necessary that they're going to give you and which ones they're not. You know, like, well, we don't think, um, you know, when I was in, there was a, um, a service member that I served with who had cancer. They didn't just say, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a little bit too expensive. You're on your own, you know. They right. couldn't do that without separating them. If you're in the military, they're responsible for you. They need to make sure, like, that you have, you know, um, a roof over your head, that you're taking care of yourself. They check up on you and stuff like that. Everything you do, unfortunately, in the military, for better or for worse, is sort of under a microscope. Right. So they're paying attention to you. So part of this, if you're if if you have gender dysphoria and you come out as and you accept or you understand the fact that you're transgender, um. Uh, gender affirmation surgery is part of what would be normal care. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how that works. Mm-hmm. So if if a person um, is transgender mm-hmm. and they choose not to dress a certain way or, you know, um, and they do it off hours, um, you know, how will the military, it will, is that an issue then? I'm not saying that <clears throat> that's what we need to do, but yeah. Um, so, so my experience is when I was in, <laughs> um, it's like kind of at the po- like, the, like at the point before don't ask, don't tell. If you were, if you were gay or lesbian or or bisexual, or whatever, um, you could do that stuff off on your own time, but sort of don't get caught 
and we won't ask about it, you know, if we suspect, but if it's in our face, then we will. So, but you could still get separated from the military for that. So the same thing with being, I think they referred to it as uh, transvestism, cross-dressing and transsexualism. Uh, you know, that's in the, that was in the, uh, um, in the policies. And um, so, yes, you could kind of do that, but if you got caught, you were kind of, you could get separated. And that was a situation that I was in where I, was having a lot of dysphoria and I was exploring and trying to figure things out on my off time. But I got to the point where I realized like, okay, I better stop this because if somebody finds out I could get separated and it would have really, uh, it would have made my life difficult and I wasn't ready to be out either. Mm -hmm. So that was the other side of it too. So, you know, there again, it's, it's a typical sort of thing that trans people go through where they sort of are feeling those things and they act upon it and then they go no i can't do this i can't do this and then you push it all back down and then you go another couple years right. until finally you're like okay i can't do this anymore so but yeah you could um you could have gotten in trouble for it um with the change in the policy um i don't see as long as long as you weren't doing anything medical and stuff i don't see that that would be a problem you know but while you're while in you're uniform. while you're in uniform yeah there's standards you know so and so, and what an awful decision to have to make, you know, to hide who you are. I mean, it's like me as a gay man of like, you know, pretending like I'm not. Right, you know, yeah. Being something, you know, uh, I'm so, yeah. Right. Well, and that's exactly the sort of the point is that um, can a trans person serve and not be out? Yeah, they can. You know, do we have issues that come up? Yeah, we do. We do. But, you know, we're still, we're still able to do our job. You know, but mm -hmm. yes, we are, we have things that we're working through and like anyone else, you know, if somebody else is in the military and they're having issues with their marriage, mm -hmm. you know, those are things that they're trying to work through or something, you know, so. So if someone was to seek help and saying mm -hmm. our psychological help um, with kind of the, you know, like, mo like people do in the military mm -hmm. and they outed themselves with a psychiatrist or a counselor um, in the sense that they ha aren't dressing and they're not kind of you know, living out on, on, on who they, you know, who they are, um, would the military, would they actively, um, you know, separate them from prior, <coughs> prior to this? Uh, right? Prior. Yeah. Um, that could happen. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of fine lines and, you know, I'm sure there's, there's, I, I, I'd be interested to know what the numbers are, what we think the numbers are of people that are transgender in the military that aren't open. Because, you know, we yeah. have 2,000, uh, you said uh, between 1,500 and 2,000. Um, yeah, there's a couple different studies. Um, so like I said, I think that um, General Mathis had said that there was about 900 actually in the, the out following the policy, um, trans uh, service members. But um, some people say there's like up to like um, 15,000, I think is the number I've heard, or 14,500, something like that. But between all the branches of the military, um, reserve units and um, National Guard units. So, mm -hmm. so that's a, a sizable number. Now, how out they are or what, I don't know. But so currently though, there's 900 people that are actually serving openly on their care plan in the military. Right. Hmm. I actually have a question. Do you know anything about how this affects non-binary or gender non-conforming service members? Because I'm, I'm assuming you have to enlist as either a male or a female, and I don't even know if there's an option to do otherwise or if that will change after something like this. Like, how does that work? I'm just curious about that. Yeah, um, so the military is very binary, right. um, <laughs> to be 
put it bluntly. Um, and so you have um, dress and grooming standards, and those standards, like, so if if it's when you join and they say, well, this is your gender, um, pretty much that's the um, the gender that you have to um, follow. Mm-hmm. So. Um, if you're considered, if they if they view you as male and that's what you, would you join and they say, okay, you're a male soldier, then your hair has to be a certain length, you have to do certain things, you have to be clean shaven, all these things. And, you know, if they identify you as female, then there's certain uniform standards. And that's pretty much where that's at. Now, that doesn't mean, because I've actually seen folks that, um, there were a lot of female service members in, in my unit and actually I saw that around where oftentimes would be kind of, if you viewed them would seem um, non-binary, you know, because they might just have shorter hair and stuff. So it was kind of for, for, for people assigned male at birth who were in the military, you didn't have a lot of flexibility. Um, but if you were f- assigned female at birth and were in the military as a female, you had a little bit more flexibility on like, on hair and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So you could have your hair short. If you had it long, you still had to follow a certain standard. But a male soldier, it was just short. Right. <laughs> so if that kind of makes sense. So mm-hmm. in some ways, it seemed like some folks were able to kind of sort of present non-binary. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a lot of judgment on it mm-hmm. that I, you know, because a lot of people, because it was sort of ambiguous. And it's like, oh, well, you're just doing that because, you know, that's what, because most of the soldiers in the military are, are male. It just seemed kind of like that's maybe what somebody was doing, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I was mm-hmm. just curious, curious oh, yeah, about no worries. that. Yeah. yeah. Performative. <clears throat> and speaking of performance, um, the other one of the other things that people say is like, how does that affect, you know, they ask how that affects performance. How can you be trans and be butch enough to fight a war? You know, and that's, and they're thinking, um, uh, to use an old term, male to female. Or trans woman, how how can you be strong enough to fight? Or a trans male, uh, you know, who they perceive maybe as being weaker, having been born female. And this this is stuff that I've heard uh, personally mm-hmm. from people. Um, <clears throat> there was that study that came out, uh, but I didn't. I I did actually didn't hear the full scope of the study and and what it found. Um, but it sounds like it came up with like there's no performative uh, uh, risk to that. Yeah, I think I think the thing to focus on, and this is something that um, Staff Sergeant um, King brought up, Patricia King. Um, she's an o- openly transgender um, service member, um, and has she's been pretty public about her stories and stuff like that. You know, with the blessing of her command. And has gone through, you know, what we, all the things that people might ask. Um, and the thing that she said is she felt that this sort of, some of these statements or whatever kind of remove, in in the military, the, the idea is it's a meritocracy. So it's like you, you, you prove yourself through your abilities and being able to do the job. And those are called standards, you know. So you have standards of physical fitness and stuff that you have to achieve. So if somebody's trans, like the question should be, oh, you know, well, you're not doing it manly enough or you're not doing, you know, like you're, you know, if you're passing the standard, you're passing the standard. And the trans service members that are in are passing the standards. So what does that mean then if you have a judgment against them to say, well, well, you can't do that or you can't do this. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, 
it was just recently, I think it was, um, I don't know if it was Prince Charles or Prince, I think it was Prince Charles in England had uh, awarded um, some meritorious service medal to a, a female service member. Uh, she was a um, um, medical officer, I don't know, not a medical officer, but like a court, court, what we call a corpsman or something like that. So she provided medical service, but she was five foot tall. And I was kind of like, wow, that's seeming kind of what we, you know, would feel kind of, and excuse me if I'm using like improper language, kind of a diminutive person. You'd think, wow, that person, that's so way too short. They shouldn't be on a battlefield. But they ran across, you know, uh, a, a distance and rendered aid to a, um, an injured, um, another injured soldier under fire and saved that person's life, you know. And so, but yet, you know, a lot of people would sit there and judge her by based on her size. She was right. able to do this job and did it and exceeded that and sac- and put herself in a position to, sa- you know, endangering her own life to sa- save somebody else. You know, so I think that if somebody's doing the job, we shouldn't judge them that way. And and that's where the army has and the military has standards. And if we're meeting the standards, then I don't understand what the argument would be. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. It doesn't make sense because the military also invests in the personnel there and trains them and all of that. And then to want to get rid of them just doesn't make sense to me. Oh, yeah. I was um, reading a story and they were talking about another uh, service member who um, I believe had was a Arabic translator and stuff. And, you know, if you're if you're in, uh, go to language school, I think there's one in Monterey and then there's one on the East Coast. Um, you're in there almost a year before you actually even start doing your job. <laughs> and so if you have somebody, you know, who knows several languages and stuff, you say, oh, well, you're transgender. We don't, you know, we need right. you out of here. That's a valuable resource you're losing. And you're not going to easily replace it. Right. I mean, yeah, maybe you could find, you know, the cisgendered man who's like, you know, you know, 250 and six foot five and can, you know, bench, what, you know, and, but if he doesn't have that skill set, you know, yeah, that's a great infantryman or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm making generalizations, so excuse me. But um, it's not just fighters that are needed in the military. You need all different people to do different jobs. Right. So Exactly. Yeah. So seems like, in, well, this whole thing seems like insanity to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, like I said, the big thing, and I don't, I'm kind I don't want to, I served in the military or whatever. I have my feelings about our sort of actions around the world. Um, I'm not trying to endorse those, but the military has been, a, a, it's one of the largest employers in the, in, the, in the country. And it's been a way for people to kind of lift themselves up for whatever reasons. Um, some people said it's exploitive in doing that, but whatever the reason, trans people have gone there and they've found a place to be and people fought to get to, to the point where they could serve openly and be themselves. And they figured out how to do it. And I think that at least that we need to respect that. And we need to also understand that if we're not allowed those opportunities based upon our merits, but are excluded as a class of citizen, then that that's not right. And I don't think, I think that like, you know, what is it, the, um, like we're all equal under the law. Mm-hmm. And that sort of removes that for us. We, you know, so we're being excluded as a class of citizen, and I don't, that's not right. So people that would like to, you know, get involved and do something to let, you know, the their congressmen, senators, president, their next door neighbors <laughs> know, um, what what are some things that people can do? 
Um, I guess what I would say would probably be to contact your um, senators and your congressmen and stuff. Um, I think also, too, uh, when you hear people, you know, disparaging trans soldiers or something like that, you know, speak out about it. Um, if you... Well, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm kind of losing it. Um, but yeah, so those would be kind of off-the-cuff type things you could do. Um, be aware of what legislation is happening locally and stuff because there's a sort of a trickle-down effect of this. I think that, and that's one of the big concerns. If this stands, it messages to the other state. It's messages to states and other groups that it's okay to exclude trans people from the um, public life, and that's what we not don't want to happen. So. Um, if you, you know, local government and stuff, um, contact them and talk to them about, you know, bathroom bills and things like that. So be be aware, be be vocal when you see um, injustices uh, about trans people. Well, thank you so mm-hmm. much. Sorry to cut <laughs> yeah, you off. Yeah, no worries. Bit, but no, I mean, your information was amazing and we really appreciate you being on, Albie, and we hope yeah, to have thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank thank you. Again. Um, we're out of time, so a great show. Um, and thanks to all of our um, listeners and volunteers that make this possible. I'm Ireland Meacham. I'm Melanie Davis. Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Preslaff. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. Blooming Out's community liaison is Alex Ashkin. Our interns are Jasper Tony and Ireland Meacham. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Robertson. I'm Frankie Preslaff. And remember, if everything was straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Good night from your Blooming Out family. You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is bloomingout at WFHB.org. And thank you for listening. gotta be and I gotta remember this is what I'm about. Gotta stand up and I gotta be